0: Hello and welcome to the New Model Advisor podcast. Joining me today is Sophie Kennedy, Head of Investments at UEQ Investors. She's very kindly agreed to answer 10 questions about the year and the company's portfolios. Thank you very much for joining me, Sophie.
1: Hi Charles, thanks for having me.
0: Um, So the first question I wanted to ask, um, maybe a basic one, but have you added any funds to the portfolio this year?
1: Yes, we've, uh, we've added a number of funds to our portfolios this year, uh, even amongst the, the uncertainty during the pandemic. Where we've been adding uh, is to our higher conviction global themes. So that includes the likes of technology, uh, environmental industrials and healthcare. Um, and our focus on the research side has been on areas of the market most likely to react well to a pro-cyclical move or a rebound in cyclicals. Um, So a fund that I would highlight is the 91 Global Environment Fund. Uh, We added this to the portfolios earlier in the year and actually we've recently topped up our position um, with Biden soon to occupy the White House, hopefully, uh, the environmental theme uh, now has a globally coordinated tailwind, uh, following the European Union agreeing a recovery fund, uh, where proceeds are likely to be earmarked towards the green projects. Um, so this is likely to feature in our portfolios for some time. Um, to give you a bit of so detail. So you think on
0: the- Biden's election... So you just to ask there on Biden's election. You think that will be um, a good thing for these green funds?
1: I think so. You know, a lot of um, a lot of what he was talking to in the run up to the election uh, was focused on um, green projects and infrastructure spend. Um, and, and what this fund does is it's a targeted pure play on the decarbonisation theme, uh which, which he um you, you know has heavily talked to. Um it invests in companies that are positively exposed to uh what is an unprecedented shift in energy systems and transportation um through products and services. Um you, you know, the managers are hugely experienced and Um, And the fund really does offer something different versus other global thematic uh, mandates that that you'll see out there.
0: And one of the big points of your portfolios is that they are impact portfolios. Do you think you could explain firstly what impact is when it comes to an investment portfolio? And then secondly, how you actually measure that impact?
1: Uh, Absolutely. So um, for those of you who don't know, our positive impact portfolios have a dual mandate. So what they're doing is they're looking to maximize financial returns and also maximize impact. Um, So obviously measuring impact is key. When we talk about maximizing impact, what we're talking about is the positive impact achieved by investing in companies, uh, developing innovative solutions through their core products and services um, to tackle the world's largest environmental and social challenges. So, uh, a helpful framework is the UN Sustainable Development Goals, when you're thinking about impact investing, um, and we use this to guide our investments, as well as our reporting. Um, For those of you, again, who don't know, the UN Goals were launched in 2015, uh, agreed by over 190 countries as the 17 most pressing issues to be tackled by 2030, Um, And what we're looking to do uh, within our positive impact portfolios is maximise our alignment uh, to these UN goals from an intention perspective. What we then do um, in terms of measuring the achieved impact um, is uh, is within our impact report. So our fourth edition has just been published. um, And what we do there is we demonstrate the impact created by our investments within the portfolios. Um, What we're doing is we're looking at the underlying equities and bond exposures that we have, um, which is over 500 companies, and we're looking at metrics from uh, reported annual reports and accounts. Uh, Examples of the metrics are things like um, the associated amount of patients treated for disease, um, the hours of education provided by investment um, or on the environmental side, things like um, associated renewable energy uh, or waste recycled. Uh, I, I think one other thing that's really important that we're, we're working on at the moment is to help our clients understand how their investments are performing from a carbon emissions perspective as well. So the largest driver of climate change and you know the, the main threat to us as a society today, So we're reporting on carbon footprint, um, which is quite unusual, and also aligning that footprint to uh, climate change scenarios. Um, So under the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, the global target uh, was set to to 1.5 degrees of warming pre-industrial levels, and all of our portfolios are aligned uh, and committed to, to make sure that we remain so.
0: And I mean, one of the problems that often gets brought up is this um, phrase uh, greenwashing. How do you make sure that the figures are the right figures and that you're looking in the right places for them?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, There are a number of uh, frameworks and initiatives out there to help us. The UNPRI uh, would be a good example. They offer a framework, uh, having the UNSDG framework, Um, as an outset to understand um, kind of how we want to align our portfolios has been really helpful as well. in terms of greenwashing, I totally agree. Uh, you know, we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about it. Yes, we definitely uh, could. And, um, and and I think, you know, there needs to be more guidance. And we're hopefully going to see that coming through in, in further regulation um, on both kind of um, asset managers and, um, and the broader industry coming up.
0: And just maybe dive a little bit more then into the portfolio of whether you could explain, I wondered whether you could explain actually uh, one of the funds... In the portfolio and how you picked it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I'll focus on the Bailey Gifford Positive Change Fund. Um, mm. I think um, so. This is a really interesting one for us because we are, um, you know, we really try and innovate um, and push asset managers to 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 innovate themselves and bring new products to the market. This fund was launched in twenty seventeen. Um, and we, um, you know, we, we initially looked at it. Then we took a further look at it in 2018. Um, it's one of the purest impact funds you'll find in the universe. Its focus is on um, four identified social and environmental themes aligned with the UN SDGs. Um, and after conducting our due diligence, um, which it looks at financial, it looks at impact and ESG analysis. Um, we, we saw that the fund uh, was differentiated from a regional perspective versus peers versus uh, uh, and from a sector and style pers- uh, perspective as well and would really help to enhance our portfolio construction um however, at that time, given our um, kind of stringent um, investment approach, we didn't feel that we had the track record and sufficient evidences that the managers could um, consistently generate alpha and front and center for us is maximizing financial returns and we couldn't quantify that. Um, also when we were looking at the fund, uh, we identified a holding that wasn't quite in line with um, our impact approach. and therefore we took the de- decision in 2018 not to invest. Fast forward uh, to February this year um, and the, the fund had both built up an impressive three-year track record um, and had also um, divested from the company in question. And therefore, we, we decided to take uh, what is now a substantial position um, in the portfolios. The fund has had a fantastic 2020, um, not just driven by Tesla, <laughs> as many... Yes, I was think going to bring have. that up. That yeah, might allude to, um, you know, it's benefited uh, from the likes of having Moderna, which has been, uh, you know, at the forefront of, um, of, of all of the vaccination trials that we've been hearing about on a daily basis.
0: Could I ask what was the company that you wanted? You felt that they needed to divest from?
1: Yes, um, Tencent. Um, was, it, was uh, yes. thing that we had uh with within the portfolios and um it wasn't uh due to our engagement um i have to say that that they decided to take the uh, decision to to divest um but we're pleased they did um <laughs> and um yeah. and we're looking forward to to having the fund as a, a long-term holding going forward i mean uh you know it, it gives us great exposure to um to to european companies Uh, to healthcare, so if we see parts of those markets um, doing well um, will will outperform, and also it benefits when we see kind of significant government infrastructure spend, and again you know given the global pandemic we've had governments pushing uh, fiscal spend globally uh, which which has benefited the fund.
0: Yes, I think I actually interviewed one of the managers of the fund a few months ago and it just seems to have a loss of momentum at the moment. Uh, the the flow seems to be going up every month, and obviously, performance is good. Uh, as you say, Tesla is the driver of this, um, but there are other holdings. I just wondered whether you think maybe the growing popularity is also a reflection of investors' priorities and changing priorities towards sustainable and impact.
1: Absolutely. Um, And, uh, you know, we're seeing it every, every day, Um, more and more people are interested in, um, in impact, and not just kind of the most stringent impact, which is within our positive impact portfolios, but you're seeing um, kind of ESG integration um, more broadly. And actually, there are very few asset managers who now don't take um, ESG integration seriously, uh, you know, within their documentation. Um, There is, it comes back to the concern about greenwashing, how many of these asset managers really know what they're talking about when it comes to um, ESG integration. And one of the things that we're working really hard um, at EQ is to um, kind of use our expertise to differentiate those managers who are really driving ESG integration versus those who, um, who are potentially just using the phrase
0: This is maybe sort of a linked question then, but how do you decide that you have the right manager when it comes to both the impact side and the return side?
1: Yeah, um, so from an impact perspective, I'll start there. Um, What we do um, is we conduct thorough analysis. I've mentioned ESG integration process. We have a questionnaire, due diligence questionnaire um, that, that that we use to really grill the managers in that respect. Sustainability screens um, is another thing that uh, that we analyze, and also how they apply impact investing best practices. And again, it comes back to our experience. We've been doing this for eight years, helps us cut through kind of the vague terminology and the greenwashing. Um, We analyze the intention of the manager when it comes to impact. So um, we use the impact management projects uh, ABC approach, Uh, To run you through that really quickly, you've got Act to Avoid Harm, which is encompassing the exclusion of controversial sectors and managing ESG risks, uh, benefiting stakeholders, so how ESG is integrated into security selection, and then contributing to solutions. So where impact is evaluated in terms of the intentionality of the manager, the materiality um, and additionality, so so how are they adding uh, to the impact? From a returns perspective, um, uh, one important thing, thing to note, I think, that's really important is we're not compromising on either. We don't ever yeah. uh, compromise on impact or return. Um, we're looking to maximise both in our performance. Um, you know, is testament to that. Uh, with regards to return, our focus is on making sure we're looking for those managers who can consistently generate strong risk-adjusted returns. So we look at all the mainstream metrics um, managers who can consistently deliver alpha over their benchmarks we don't have a specific track record requirement um, that we're looking for but we do spend a long time analyzing the manu- uh, the managers tenure so what's driving their performance we conduct kind of in-depth attribution analysis so we're looking at whether it's stock stock selection is it asset allocation that's driving performance sector bets um are these luck or skill um and are we seeing a consistent return over time And then it's, um, you know, in line with many of our peers, we're looking at the investment philosophies to be in line with our values, uh, repeatable processes, dedicated fund managers. um, And 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 then looking at the biases, the sector exclusions and what the implications of those will be um, and and how um, adding the fund to our portfolios is going to benefit us.
0: And I wanted to move a little bit onto your the impact report you produced alongside the um, portfolio, which is actually very interesting um dive into what all these funds are actually doing. Uh, one interesting fact in it that you mentioned um, is that more women invest in the portfolios than men. I think it's 40, 52% against 48%. I just wondered one why you highlighted this in the first place and then two why you think this is the case.
1: Yeah, very good question. I think, you know, one of the reasons we highlighted is it's very much against the norm. You typically see, you know, with any um, investment that you've got a higher proportion of men investing versus than women. Um, Why it's the case, uh, we're asking ourselves the same question. Yes. Um, (laughs) It's something we welcome. Um, You know, we've been increasingly attracting women to, to, to our wealth management business as a whole. Um, And, um, you know, without um, putting too much detail on it, you know, the fact that women have maybe a more nurturing role than men, uh, wanting to do good um, in um, society at large. I mean, that's as far as I could probably pinpoint it.
0: Is there a different kind of uh, this is a conversation that has come up with a few advisors recently um and advice businesses about whether there's a need for a different style of proposition do you think that's the case um, in terms of helping women it just needs something something different something that needs to be thought about in a different way
1: yeah i mean a, again a good question there are a number of um, advisors who um are um, women only and who only service women um and we support um many of them uh, with our impact offering mm-hmm. um And, uh, you know, I think it comes back to the preferences um, of of the individual and the client themselves, what they feel comfortable with. It's a big decision, um, you know, investing full stop, but to invest uh, with a dual mandate, which also focuses on, um, on doing good um and i guess the information that comes around um comes with that you know you get a lot more um understanding of what you're investing in um as an individual and the impact you're making um which is great for some clients to be able to connect and
0: um, another area that caught my eye in this uh, impact report and it's, it's inevitable it would be featured is the pandemic um, you mentioned healthcare and there's almost a theme going through the report of building back better I wondered if the pandemic has changed your focus um, in terms of how you're looking at impact and whether there are areas now that are becoming more important
1: I'm not sure it's changed our focus I think what it's done is it's certainly highlighted um you know more globally that there is a need um for investment in this space um and I think you know we would say that we've been doing it for a number of years and actually um you know what the pandemic has done is it's fast forwarded people to be focused on um, on where they're investing as well. And, you know, it's not just the pandemic, I think, Build Back Better, you know, focusing on climate change is significant um, and other parts of, um, you know, the alignment to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. From, a, from an investment perspective, um, we'd been increasingly focused on quality companies and defensive sectors pre-pandemic. Um, And that was not impact related. It was focused on, um, you know, concerns about trade wars, um, elevated market valuations. And so when the pandemic hit, we were already positioned defensively um, and Um, actually, as I've mentioned, what we've been doing is we've been looking at more pro-cyclical ideas. Um, We've mentioned um, uh, the the global environment strategies and the benefits that that they're having from um, increased fiscal spend. Um, And while, you know, we're definitely expecting challenging months ahead, the news of the vaccine development, um, you know, is fantastic. Economic recovery potentially in sight. um, And markets are... Um, are certainly moving to reflect that. So um, so, so, for kind of from a top-down perspective, our focus is much more on recovery funds, maybe further down the market cap um, than we'd previously been um, more defensively positioned.
0: And you mentioned the vaccine there, and you actually mentioned earlier Moderna um, with positive change. And that comes up in the impact reports uh, as a business that is working towards a cure. Uh, I did wonder whether and obviously you know you're not the fund manager here so it's not always just your decision but the um, kind of if you had any opinion on the difference between say Moderna which is charging more for the vaccine uh, compared to is it it the AstraZeneca option the Mm. Oxford one Um, and whether that comes into any of your thinking in terms of sustainability and impact.
1: Yes, um, it doesn't, I have to say. Um the um, you know, the way in which we choose um our investments is not stock specific. So we yeah. um, you know we worked hard to um to put forward the case for Bailey Gifford and the Positive Change Fund um a- as a whole because of their alignment to um the the UN SDGs. Um, you know, they focus on social inclusion, education, um, and um, environment resource needs. Um, and healthcare, quality of life, which is where Moderna sits. But um, in terms of the underlying decision um, t- to hold Moderna, that wasn't um, that, that wasn't something that that really uh, pushed us to invest in the fund.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, is there a little bit of a maybe tension's Not quite right, the right word, but in terms of as a portfolio picker, essentially, what you're looking at is the funds and not the stocks themselves.
1: Absolutely. And not just the fund, I guess, you know, we're looking, we don't pick stocks because we don't think that we've got the skill set needed. Also, you know, what we want is a globally diversified uh, portfolio of equities, fixed income um, and other assets um, across different uh, geographies, different themes, um, and to have that knowledge base under one house Um, as eq wouldn't be possible what we do have the expertise in doing is seeking out those specialist fund managers who can um, whether it's environmental focus on clean energy whether it's um, you know within a certain region in asia um, have the ability to to find the best stocks that are not only maximizing financial returns but maximizing impact
0: um, and this actually does lead on to another question um, I wanted to ask on your work with Share Action and your sort of yeah. engagement work. I wondered, um, again, firstly, if you could just quickly explain what that is and what you've worked towards. And then, secondly, whether the pandemic has changed how you go about this, because obviously there are no in person AGMs. I don't know if that's made it better or worse. Um, yeah, have, has anything changed?
1: Absolutely. So first I, I think it's important to highlight Share Action focuses on company-specific engagements. Yes. Um, so given we invest in funds, it's actually outside the scope of our day-to-day engagement with fund managers, but it's still front and centre in terms of what we're doing at EQ. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I guess Share Action have spent over 10 years building the movement for responsible investment. Um, Their focus is on engaging um, to unlock the power of investors to catalyse positive social and environmental change. Um, What it does is it brings different types of investors to come together um, as a universal voice. Um, They make a huge amount of resource available, which allows for better information and therefore more targeted initiatives. E.Q. specifically are involved in two of their initiatives, um, and this is uh, driven by our sustainability specialist, Louisiana Sauge. To give you a brief overview, the first is is the investor decarbonisation initiative, uh, the IDI, and essentially where the engagement is focused there is on driving companies, um, a few examples uh, with respect to energy efficiency targets um, or renewable energy procurement targets. Um, The second, totally different, um, initiative is Healthy Markets Initiative, uh, which is focused uh, more specifically on UK grocery retailers. Um, And engagement here um, is driven by a number of different reports, uh, obesity crisis um, and the access to nutrition initiative, um, where where the latter essentially what it, it did, it ranked companies based on their marketing practices. Um, So the team have met with Tesco, they've met with Sainsbury's, Asda, um, and what they're doing is they're pushing for sales targets on healthy foods. Um, And, uh, you know, a success story, I guess, is uh, with regards to Tesco, where at their AGM, um, uh, they openly committed to setting targets on on healthy foods. um, And the team uh, within the initiative are currently helping them to implement that. Um, in terms of the, the question about virtual AGMs, um, I guess, you know, there are some positives to come out of 2020. Um, it's not something that we're hugely involved with, but obviously um, they reduce the necessity to travel. Um, so, yes. so you've got improved accessibility for global shareholders who might not otherwise been able to attend. And um, where space was previously limited because of a physical meet. Um, you know, there's no excuses now why minority shareholders shouldn't be able to attend and have their voices heard, which is fantastic. Um, and, and finally, transparency. I mean, I mean, all of these meetings these days are recorded, um, you know, which which gives great um, transparency and, 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 um, and oversight for anyone who wants to get involved.
0: Um. Almost my final question on the portfolio is, is there an underrated fund in that portfolio? Perhaps one that's overlooked or not as big um, that you would like to highlight? Uh,
1: Yeah, I'd probably highlight the Wellington Global Impact Bond Fund, um, which is relatively new. Um, It's just over 100 million. Um, Wellington management is is relatively unknown in Europe, but actually, you know, it's a huge player in the US with over a trillion of assets. Um, They were actually one of the first asset managers to launch uh, a global equity impact fund, which was about four years ago. It's really stringent process, best in class uh, impact reporting in our view. Um, And last year they leveraged on their experience in this space and they launched a bond strategy. Um, which, again, in our view, is the most ambitious in terms of their impact analysis and their reporting uh, within fixed income. Um, And for a UK investor, what it does is it provides access to to bonds uh, globally, uh, where proceeds are directly financing green or social projects. And and I guess for us, it comes back to kind of diversification and and portfolio construction. The fund um, um, is relatively defensively positioned. um, And so it was actually one of the best performers uh, in Q1 2020 when we saw the initial uh, reaction of the markets from from the pandemic.
0: And just before we finish, I wanted to quickly ask a couple of questions about uh, EQ itself and how you've managed to run the business this year and kind of stick to, I mean, have you managed to stick to Sustainable Lines and how you have gone about that?
1: Yes, um, absolutely we have. You, you know, we were in a, a really fortunate position um, during um, the initial stages of the pandemic where we, um, you know, we, we made the decision much earlier than others to, to, to work from home um and um we had uh, very quickly business as usual in terms of the way in which we work as um as a team and as a company so we've very much been able to continue um driving um you know our research agenda the way in which we invest hasn't changed um and um and our our, um our drive on the sustainability front as well um, um just continues so our focus is making sure that we're engaging as much as possible um, with all of our fund managers. We mentioned share action um, in terms of the way in which um, uh, we engage with individual companies, but a really important thing that we're we're focused on as a company is our engagement work more broadly. So while we're creating positive impact um, through how we invest, we're also making a positive impact by engaging for change. you know it's vital we think to use our influence and voice to amplify positive uh, impact for our clients and um over the last year and again it's within our 2020 impact report we've developed an engagement framework uh, focused on um climate action health and nutrition uh, sustainable supply chains and also diversity and inclusion um I guess to the latter point, I would highlight um, that we um, as as a company have have been focused very strongly on our internal diversity and inclusion um, and have most recently signed up for um, the the Women in Finance Charter and put some quite stringent targets in place um, for where we want to get to. So from a sustainability perspective, absolutely, it's been uh, business as usual.
0: Have you been able to continue sort of charity work as well along those lines and trying to support people in these times
1: yeah again absolutely um our charity commitment remains front and center um unlike many peers uh eq investors is staff owned uh and also by the uh, owned by the eq foundation Um, it's a registered charitable institution that receives funding from EQ investors and also related parties and and we set the EQ foundation up um, to give back and to make sure we'd always be able to help those uh, who needed it most and the bigger we get the more uh, we're able to help. To date Um, It's donated over 1 million, which we're absolutely delighted with, and that's across a wide range of charitable uh, and non-profit institutions. So um, maybe I could give you a few examples, given it's coming up to December and Christmas, um, the the advent of change. Um, We love the ethos behind it um, and, and its innovative nature. Um, I'm not sure how many of you will know about it, but an example of a product that they have is the Advent of Change Calendar, um, which reveals a, a new charity recipient every day uh, with each 24 door uh, doors representing a 50p donation um, and the kind of charities it's supporting are, are vast, ranging from those uh, providing food or medicines to those who um, uh, um need it and also um to uh, protecting oceans endangered animals um uh, and probably a, a, just quickly another timely example would be the big Give christmas challenge yep. uh, which is starting next week and what that does is is it offers uh supporters of charities the opportunity to have their donations doubled and um we're one of the institutions matching um matching contributions
0: that uh, calendar sounds very interesting um <laughs> just and then just to finish um what has been the best business decision you made in 2020
1: so there are probably a few um i I would single out the launch of our new portfolio range uh, which is the future leaders portfolios Mm -hmm. um these are for investors who want to invest sustainably uh but at a low cost um and we've you know we've been a pioneer in impact investing um uh, over the years and I, I hope that the launch of these portfolios highlights our commitment to sustainability and will allow us to build on our reputation um I, I think you know it's been born out of the fact that we've noted investors have a growing preference for socially responsible portfolios but also that sits alongside an increasingly increasing popularity um, of kind of low-cost passive funds um so the portfolios are uh, diversified globally, uh, they target ESG leaders across different sectors and they also have a sustainable uh, theme overweight. Um, and, you know, just to give you an idea of what they're trying to achieve, firstly, um, to maximise financial returns as per all of our uh, strategies. They're looking to maximise the sustainability credentials. So. Um, to demonstrate leading um, ESG ratings and exclude controversial sectors, to provide overweight sustainable themes, green bonds, healthcare, clean energy, as a few examples, uh, and also to, to, to have a, a lower carbon footprint than benchmarks. Um, they've garnered fantastic traction today, to and we're really looking forward to, to what's to come in 2021.
0: Great, thank you very much, Sophie.
1: Thanks.